Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to discuss MSU's 76-66 win against the Golden Gophers from Minnesota. Before we begin, I'd like to mention once again that we're trying to resolve the issue with Spotify. I feel like I get an email just about every day, which is a sign that people figure out a way to to get a hold of me. Uh, But it also shows that there's a problem still. (laughs) And so uh, Spotify created a new show to those of you who had subscribed before. Uh, You'll no longer see it in your feed unless you resubscribe. And you can see there's there are actually three shows when you search for it now. I realize I'm probably speaking to those who figured this out, but if you know someone who used Spotify as a fan of the show, please tell them and send some into Spotify. Maybe they'll fix the problem coming from you. Uh, we've certainly sent our uh, emails to them. Also, you can visit our website, thefinalforceontheschedule.com and sign up for email notifications or on Substack uh, where you will get emailed a version of the show. That way you won't miss any. Finally, I've now included all of our sponsors on our support page. So not only can you find ways to support the show financially, but if you're wondering how to get an estimate from Squeegee Squad or you're like, hey, what are those guys, the brothers that just do ditches? Or, you know, you can go and find all the links there and you can actually get all the, um, you can get access to everybody who, we, who sponsors the show. Uh, there are also ways to access affiliate deals we offer to get some discounts if you want to sign up for Podbean, which we've been pretty uh, happy with. They've been actually very good customer service uh, in case you want to launch your own podcast. Or Element, and Element T is a flavored electrolyte replacement powder. That you can simply add to water to help you recover faster to sodium, potassium, magnesium. No calories like with Gatorade or other sports drinks. Uh, so I use it personally. Uh, it's not a medical advice, but just uh, I use it because I intermittently fast. And it helps keep me from getting headaches. Which if I, So I just have like 16 ounces in the morning. I'm good to go until I eat dinner or whatever it is. So anyway, the link will give you a free variety pack of the salts with any order. A good deal. All right, as for the game. It was one that was way closer than it looked in the final score. It was, did not feel like a 10-point victory. I think it was tied with like three minutes left or three and a half minutes left. It took Tyson Walker's going on an, a personal 8-0 run, and then 12 last 14 for the Michigan State to pull away from a pesky Minnesota team, missing their starting point guard, uh, who was in a boot. By the numbers, it was strange. I, Michigan State had nine turnovers to 19 for Minnesota, which you'd expect a much larger margin of victory. Uh, but Michigan State shot 25% from three versus Michigan State team shooting 35% and actually was 50% for most of the game, despite a team coming in shooting 27% for the year. Uh, points in the paint were a huge edge for Michigan State. I think it was like 46 to 12 or something like that. It was uh, quite dramatic. And again, you'd expect a, quite a big difference in the in the game. Michigan State fast break points, 17 to 2 in favor. And I think that's probably pretty accurate. Uh so I don't, and obviously the free throw edge, Michigan State had trouble hitting any shots and shot 15 to 23 from the line. So I don't know, in summary, it's either a game where you could say, hey, they showed their grit, they found a way to win, 
or they showed how vulnerable they are <laughs> to have it be that close to a team that they should handle, I think, pretty easily, especially missing their dynamics point guard. Well, I, I would I would say this. Uh, I think that it's important to win games where you don't play well. I agree. And they did that. Uh, we have had games where Michigan State didn't play particularly well this year and and lost, you know, close losses, mm-hmm. let's say, at times, but but losses nonetheless. So that's one positive to take out of this. There were a lot of things that Michigan State did very well. You mentioned some of them, and we'll return to, to talk about some of those in more detail. But there were other things that were not good. And the totality, the total picture that I'm left with I think out of this one is glad for the win because it would have been, I mean, awful if they'd lost this. Yeah, that would have been tough to recover. Yeah, right. Um, for sure. Glad to see Michigan State just take a game by the throat late and close it out, which they did at both ends. Uh, that was good to see. And also mm-hmm. understand that they're going to need they're going to need to play markedly better on Sunday to get a win on the road at Maryland. So all of those things can be true simultaneously, and I think they are. Uh, so that's where I that's where I land on this. Um, disappointing in some respects, and you know you you talked about Elijah Hawkins missing the game. Uh, that's a huge. It's not something we knew about. We did the preview, but it popped up. Um, oh, it was yesterday, maybe. Um, both he and and Farrell Payne were questionable. Now Payne played, although he didn't get a lot done. But yeah. um, but Hawkins being out of there, that was a big big difference for them. And while they have not been a great uh, team taking care of the ball. Anyway, even with him, they've had problems. I do think, and when I look at this and say, well, they had 19 turnovers, some of that's attributable to not having their point guard. I, I think yeah. that's I think that's pretty clear. It's also, you're also left to wonder how much, because again, as we talked about, Hawkins isn't just a guy. He's a player who creates opportunities for teammates, you know? Yeah, leads the country um, in assists, I think, doesn't right, he? Right, second. He came into the, second, when yeah. we do the preview at least, he was second. And has a fantastic assist-to-turnover ratio. I think it's three to one. Uh, so he's a playmaker. He makes them better offensively. So you have to wonder how much better would they have been with him. Now, all that said, they overachieved <laughs> offensively yeah. without him. Um, the free throw shooting finally came crashing back to and they ended up uh, 65%, which is striking because there was a point they were 75, 80%. I think they were they, like 16 for 18, I felt like, yeah, for a while. Yeah, and then they well, they were 15 for 20 at one point. They might have gone a little better than that, maybe, maybe 16 for 21. Um, and then it just collapsed on them, and they came back to earth. The three-point shooting, as you mentioned, it ended up at 35%, which is – just a little better, a couple percentage points better than they shoot on the season. So it doesn't look that out of whack, but they were killing it 
for long stretches of the game. And then that kind of yeah. came back to earth. So, you know, I can I could counter with that on the one hand, you think, well, without your point guard, of course, you would have been better with him offensively. And that's probably true. But I could also counter and say, well, how much better would you have shot from three or overall? I mean, they were 48% in the first half. That dipped to 38 and a half in the second half. So they ended up 43, which is good, not spectacular. Would they have been a lot better? I don't know. But but clearly it, it affected them. I think the turnovers is the single biggest number that shows you how much of an impact it had. And that was critical because Michigan State um, managed to score 21 points off turnovers. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of point production off turnovers. And in a 10-point game, that's a big deal. So, yeah, it's a it's a tough one to know how to feel definitively about because I, you know, at first blush, I don't feel great about it, about the way Michigan State played, particularly defensively. But then I got to consider, I don't think, and I'm not positive of this, but I want to say I think Minnesota might have gone over from the floor over the last seven minutes of that game. I don't know I, if they. I'm they, trying to they remember might, if one for not, nine or something, but they're no, pretty bad. Yeah, I don't end. think they scored from the floor. Everything. I'm pretty sure everything was from the line. I'm not positive, um, but it was a long stretch. There was at least a yeah. five and a half minute stretch. It basically. I know this, if they didn't score from the floor over the last minute 30, they didn't score over the last seven minutes from the floor. It was all free throws. So um, that's something to be, you know, it's impressive, even if you're not playing a great offensive team, to hold the team down for that long a stretch. Hey, you're playing good defensive basketball, right? But, yeah. um, you know, overall, I didn't feel great about the MSU defense. Offensively, MSU had a great first half. I mean, in the first half, they shot 48.6%. Second half, that dipped to 40. They still ended up 45%. So that's a decent number, but the three-point shooting wasn't there tonight, and the free-throw shooting was abysmal. And although they rallied to actually get it up to a semi-human 65%, but there was a long stretch of that game where they were battling around 50%. Um, and you know, so you, you never, uh, speaking for myself, I never felt like they were great offensively either. There were certain things they did well at times, like getting the ball to the rim in the paint, but it just, I don't know. It was a, it was a weird game. It was a weird game. I totally agree that I just couldn't, I found myself stunned at certain points that it was as close as it was, you know, but then you say, okay, well, Minnesota's making enough plays. I mean, the, the, the three really, if, if we get right down to it for a long stretch of that game, the reason Minnesota was competitive boiled down to two things, their ability to hit the three and Michigan state's inability to hit free throws. And yep, those, right. those two things really kept it closer than it had any right to be which is why it felt frustrating and weird because I thought watching it, it was pretty clear Michigan State was the significantly better team. But 
it wasn't playing out that way on the scoreboard. And right. that happens sometimes. So that's why I also get back to one of the points I made earlier, which is, look, the bottom line is when you're not at your best, you just got to find a way to win. And they did that. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't leave you coming away from this game feeling great or thinking that they're ready to go into West Lafayette and upset Purdue or anything <laughs> like that. But um, it is what good teams that want to be good have to do. And they did it. At both ends, they did it. So, you know, hats off to them for that. And I, I guess we can we can talk about some of the players and, and go from there. Yeah. Well, I and I guess the only thing I'd add is that, you know, in some ways it's good to play a game like this where you, you've probably come in fairly confident that you're going to get a, not an easy win, but it's not you're not going to work super hard. And they had to really work, fight for it. And so, you know, maybe that'll help them be more focused, I guess, going forward in uh, against these stretch. Because I'm sure they're in the same thing we were thinking. Oh, this is a time to go and run, you know, eight, nine, ten games maybe even and get back in the race for the Big Ten. I mean, it's not totally over. Uh, but you can't really trip up anywhere, and no. you can kind of just look past games. And this would be one you could look past. You're like, oh, we're at home. It should be, you know. And I think Misha say definitely benefited from some calls. Uh, they, yeah, I looked up at the clock. I'm like, oh my cow, there's 11 and a half minutes left in the game, and State's already the double bonus. It's gonna be a that's gonna be a long time in the in the. I think that I think that was earned. I mean, Minnesota, their response to Hawkins being out was to go big. And and they played a very physical brand of basketball, and you could see the emphasis on getting, particularly in the second half. It seemed oftentimes the whole game plan was like just just fling this thing. Sorry about that, fling this thing <laughs> at the rim, and then go get it. It reminded me of like 1998 Michigan State, right? Uh, yeah. Not <laughs> that they were not that they were that good, but as good as that Michigan State team in it at it. But you get what I mean. Uh-huh. And I, I and it worked to some extent. I mean, I don't have the breakdown of offensive rebounds by half, but they ended the game with ten. I'm gonna guess at least six or seven of those had to have come in the second half. They were much. It was much more impactful in the second half. Are and, you talking about Minnesota? Yeah, yeah. Minnesota's yeah. offensive rebounding. You know, well, I think Garcia had like three and one one possession. He had two and one possession. Miss, yeah, yeah, off his miss. Yeah, three yeah. shots. Yeah, he missed, right. and then he got his own rebound. Yeah, um, and and so that was they were playing very physically. They were playing very hard, but I and I guess you could say, well, I have an MSU bias, and certainly that's true. But <laughs> I don't recall although the one call that I thought Michigan State got a big break on. Honestly, was. It was Trey Holloman on a transition play. They called a goaltending where on the replays it it looked questionable. Yeah. Um that was it. Now the foul calls, not, you know, they had two they had one guy foul out. Payne was in foul trouble pretty much the whole game. Um, but that was that was earned. I mean, yeah. I I guess there's the one play I I was just seeing with uh, Holloman was coming across it. I don't know if he just like ran into um, someone was screening and I think he just sort of tripped and they called a foul on Minnesota. I just felt like, ah, oh, that's kind of one of those home calls you get, but uh, I, yeah, uh, I, I mean, don't remember just, that one. You of, might be right. But there are a lot of, I mean, 
it's just one of the, they're just these games sometimes where just a lot of whistles. And this was one of those games. It was. And then there's a stretch with like four straight possessions where both teams are bricking it and going at it and the, under the boards and lots of contact guys falling down and no fouls called. I mean, like, right. I don't know what, what's yeah. a foul. What's not a foul in this game. Well, that's the Which thing you always, you, what, what you have to hope for is consistency in officiating. Yeah. That's really all you can ask for. If they're going to call it tight, fine. Call it consistently tight. And vice versa. If they're going to let them play, then don't start calling touch fouls with five minutes to go. Right. You know? And, um, but I, I, I mean, there certainly were segments like that, but I think by and large, they were not letting, I mean, it was still a physical game, but I think the fouls that were called, I don't have a lot of complaints with many of them either way. No, I think it's, the, I think, I agree. I think there's generally kind of, I think Minnesota had no choice, you know, this is, yeah, this they is had to make not, an ugly game. Uh, yeah. And, and so that's what they were going to do. They, the one thing they had was they had some size and their whole team actually followed that lead and played very, very physically. Uh, it was interesting. I don't know if you, uh, you caught this, but there was one brief segment. It probably only lasted uh, maybe one possession or two at the most where Michigan, they had Payne back in because he had four fouls for most of the second half. So they had brought mm -hmm. him back in yeah. playing alongside Garcia. So they were like they started the game. They were going ultra big. And Michigan State had a segment where they had Mahdi and Carson out there at the same time. No Malik. It was Mahdi and Carson, and then it was Tyson, AJ, and I can't remember whether it was Jaden or Trey, but that combination of guards. That was the lineup. And it was specifically <laughs> to match Minnesota's size. It had to be. Now, they didn't stick with it. Right. But, yeah. But that had to be the reason, in my mind, is that, you know, may, I don't know, maybe as I was getting tired of, of watching Minnesota just tattoo them on the offensive glass or what it was. But uh, he made that move. I thought that was interesting because we have not seen Carson. I don't know if I've seen him play minutes at the four all year this season. We saw it some last year in the tournament down the stretch of the regular season. I don't think we've seen it yet this year. So that was... I think you're right. Yeah, because they generally have gone to Carr. I mean, that's sort of been right. the, the decision. Carr, and, and you, occasionally and didn't, and they didn't Booker. Right, occasionally yeah. Booker. But, you know, I, I think they probably figured, hey, down the stretch, man, we got to get stops and we got to get rebounds. And yeah. those guys are not our best option for either one of those things. Uh, right. where, where Carson is. So I, I think that was probably why, but I, I found that was interesting. Well, I guess, uh, you know, if we start going through players, I think, you know, Tyson was Tyson. He, he was, they were really, really physical and, yes. and doing everything they could to prevent him from getting the ball and getting any, even on the screens, they didn't bother, you know, even covering this role man, which is smart. I don't think you really need to oftentimes, especially with all the size they had. Uh, and, and so he wasn't really able to get much going until the very end of the game. But he did what he does, right? He was he only had two threes. He had attempts. He just hit one of them. Seven of 13 from the field, 21 points, six of seven from the line, three rebounds, two assists, a turnover. I mean, and three steals. So pretty good game from him considering that they, they obviously, you know, he was their player to keep in the gutter. <laughs> Correct. And for a lot of that game, that happened. They were actually, as I, as I think back on it, one thing that maybe one point you could make is, and you alluded to it, Minnesota was very physical with Tyson um, to the point that I did think 
there was some holding going on that maybe wasn't called. Uh, I know Izzo was frustrated by it at times, <laughs> to say put it mildly. Yeah. Uh, but um, I think what this game illustrates is that Michigan, for one, Michigan State has a guy, and I think we know this because we've seen him do it on occasion before, uh, but Michigan State has a guy that is capable of closing games because that's what Tyson yes. did. He shut yeah, the door right. on this. There were just, it was possession after possession after possession where he was either getting fouled and converting free throws or he was hitting shots. He had the one play, which was just fantastic, where he got past his man, got into the middle of the lane, and just threw, I think he threw a crossover, if I remember correctly, at Dawson Garcia and just kind of that put him into all kinds of open space. And then he hit that um, semi-reverse layup that you see him yeah. do pretty frequently. Uh, and that was just kind of a you know a wow moment in this game. And he'll he's done that to other people this year. So Dawson Garcia shouldn't feel badly. You know, he got his no. pants taken down on him in front of the breast center. <laughs> crowd but it's happened to other people did did tyson intentionally so i was at my wife asking this when it, at least in the arena and then watching the replay it certainly looked like that one play tyson just it looked like he couldn't get run the defender so he just threw it off the backboard and then got his own rebound and sure looked that way to me it looked like he passed it to himself okay he i had I, I didn't, two, didn't look like it was blocked or anything he had two moments that i think i'm glad you brought that up because aside from the crossover which is a more conventional great tyson moment there were two moments in this game that were, did he just do that kind of moments? That was one <laughs> to have. And you'll see guys occasionally do that, but not 6-1 guys, that's for sure. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Um, you know, you will see guys on rare occasions will use the backboard basically to put themselves in a better position to score. Um, that does happen occasionally, but you rarely see a guy his size do it. That was a very savvy play at him. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I thought it was intentional. It sure looked that it way. It looked like it. Because yeah. of how how immediately he tracked it, you know? Yeah. That's what's telling about it. And the second one was in the first half. It was a play where he was going down in transition one-on-one oh, against yes, Cam Christie. Hogard, yeah. And at first, it kind of looked like just a bad shot attempt. But the more you looked at it, like, no, no, no. He was passing the ball. He was putting it up there because he knew he had A.J. I'm not sure he knew A.J. was going to catch it for a dunk, but he was definitely trying to get the ball to A.J. I'm convinced of it. Oh, um, for sure, yeah. So those were two really impressive plays by him that were very unconventional. You're not going to see every game. You might not see again this season. Uh, but they were big. And, and yeah, he just... He's Michigan State's best player, and when it was winning time, he played like their best player. That's all yep. you can really ask for. Yeah, and you know another one good players from Michigan State was AJ Hogard. Uh, he was uh, four ten from the field, zero uh, for one for three, but he had four defensive rebounds, uh, two steals, seven assists, a turnover, that one bad turnover, but. Overall yeah. played a really solid floor game. I think, you know, he was as guilty as anyone else, as all the guards, I think, you know, struggling to to, to close out in the threes. And so you can definitely yeah. take him for that. But but overall I thought he played a really good game. Offensively, I agree with you. I thought he was I thought he was pretty good in this game. I, I, I will say this. 
I think it was his worst game finishing in a while. Now, I understand Minnesota's got size, um, so that can be a problem when you're trying to finish, but he blew. He was 4 for 10 from the floor. He probably should have been 6 or 7 for 10, honestly, because there were several layups that were were not really. It wasn't like the ball was deflected or he got a shot blocked. He got he got to the rim, yeah, with some traffic, but those are plays we're used to AJ finishing, and he didn't finish. Yeah, that's a small knock. I think you can't argue with seven assists to one turnover. I thought he was good there. He chipped in with four defensive rebounds. That was good. Um, as you say, there were certainly issues defensively, but. You know, and I we're recording this obviously fairly soon after the game. I haven't had a chance to see what Tom Izzo had to say, and we'll return to this in a minute when we start going through the keys. When you looked at Minnesota, I think the obvious thing was, well, you got to stop them in the interior. That's <laughs> right. really where you got to. We said that, right? Yeah, and, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think the way Minnesota shot early in this game and really up until the last what six seven minutes mm-hmm. uh was unexpected yeah and i don't i don't know i don't and i'm just trying to be fair to michigan state's guards i i am guessing that there will be dissatisfaction on the way michigan state handled a lot of their screening action because they were really getting it wasn't even so much pick and roll at the top of the key it was stuffed oftentimes a lot of stuff um uh diagonally that uh mm-hmm. that they got hurt on uh but i don't know it's possible that it was a game plan thing that michigan state just was it was not allowing them they were following the game plan but michigan state was just not able to extend the shooters and then for whatever reason they didn't adjust until late um but I'll be interested to hear what Israel has to say about it. I'm suspecting that it's mostly dissatisfaction with his team's defensive yeah. effort. But I just it That's was Izzo too, knowing <laughs> knowing what you had to worry about coming into this game, and then conversely, um, seeing what Minnesota was doing to them, it at least led me to wonder that might have been, you know, maybe the thinking was, look, we gotta. We got to worry about the interior. We got to worry about their. It's not like their guards are tremendous penetrators, but that might have been some of it to say we're not going to be as aggressive getting to shooters. The the thing was a lot of the guys who did damage. Though, if you look at it, let me take a quick look here. So and Chrissy was two or four. I think. Yeah, Mitchell was three for nine, but that got but a he's lot probably like worse. three for five. That got a lot <laughs> worse late. Yeah. So yeah. when it was humming, Mitchell and Christie were the guys hitting shots. And those are their, those are their two best shooters. Other than yeah, Garcia, I think Garcia hit was early too. He hit one very early, yeah, and that was a whatever. You know, guys shoot twenty. Yeah, but I think that was sort but, of and all then, and, big flurry. And, and and Carrington hits one, and he came in seventeen percent. So, this is what's <laughs> leading me to wonder if if there was a game plan issue, and yeah. and he's not as hot with those guys because if there wasn't then yeah absolutely you would say hey those those looks were too good but again with Mitchell and and, and um uh Cam Christie those are guys you have to be aware of yeah you can't let like, you know 30s yeah. well I, I 
we'll return to it in the keys. I talked about Mike Mitchell, right? During mm-hmm. that three yeah, for yeah. five flurry, I said, this is the downside. And then the way he closed, it's like, this is also what happens. <laughs> and he took he took a couple awful shots down the stretch, yeah. too. Yeah. Really bad shot selection. But again, that's kind of who he is. He's sort of a, it's not quite like Tomonaga style, but it's, it's feast or famine. And yeah, they had a right. little bit of both during that game from him. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm mostly with the, I thought it was a, I thought it was a decent game from AJ. There were definitely some things he did better than he's done recently. And that's, you know, playmaking in particular, that's good to see, but you'd like a little better defense and a little better finishing. Right. And just to sort of put a bow on what you were saying, yeah. Minnesota two of nine in the second half, and I think that I do think that Michigan State made some adjustments at halftime. Uh, they for did that th- from the three defense, and so I think that's. I think you're probably right. There's some strategic reasons, and it's sort of like, hey guys, we say you know back off, but maybe not these guys, right? So I think there's probably a little bit of that. I I think I think so, and and again, that would be that would still be MSU's fault because that's a that would be a recognition. Yeah, sure. Thing, so right. Well, and maybe is it time to us to, to for us to stop complain about Malik Hall. Now I know you and I are not complaining about Malik Hall, but it's sort of like this general sort of inconsistent and it won't yes, be. He, was, he had it a bad game in Northwestern. But I mean this guy has been solid. I mean if it weren't for Malik Hall, they'd have been down ten points or fifteen <laughs> in that second half. I mean he was just keeping them in it. I mean six or twelve from the field, one or two for three, which puts him over thirty percent now for the season. Three or four from line. He had twelve rebounds, three of them offensive, four assists, no turnover, sixteen points. I mean that those aren't bad lines, and and he was guarding their best player, and doing pretty well, I think. Generally. Yeah, I I didn't think he was the guy that got exploited very often by no, Garcia. It was usually, yeah, the, it was the other it was other guys. Yes, yeah. it was other guys. Look, that was a really other than him fouling out. That was a really good game by Malik Call. I mean, uh, the, I thought the way he started with six quick points early, and and doing it inside. Posting up, very, very encouraging to see. I thought, you know, there were a couple of moments. There was a fadeaway that I thought he was clearly, you know, one thing we talked about in the preview with with Coach yeah, Garland right. was that one fadeaway. I know. You got to be, you know, with a post player, it's important that they're they're on their spot. They're they are in a spot on the floor where they're comfortable. And I thought Malik was pretty clearly. A, a step or two further out than he optimally wants to be on that shot. Not that he can't hit it. It's just that was a baseline turnaround that didn't feel good to me watching it. There was another play where they got him the ball kind of trailing in transition and he didn't pull up. He tried to take the ball yeah, all the way to the rim. And I think it ended, I can't remember if it was a turnover or a missed shot, but um, either way it was a bad result. Other than that, yeah, he was a load. I mean, and yeah. and look, unfortunately, the answer, my answer to your question for the fan base at large <laughs> is no, because Malik Hall has, and let's put it this way, he would have to play these types of games from now till the end of the regular season to get that kind of pass, because he's just become the whipping boy based on inconsistency. Yeah, right. And you know what? Look, I'm not going to say everybody's wrong. Just in the same way that I didn't feel last year that people who had problems with Joey Hauser uh, were a hundred percent in the wrong. Those guys, you know, Joey had been inconsistent, 
earlier in his career. Malik has been inconsistent at times in his career. There's no arguing that. But this is this is five of six now. And truthfully, even before that, I think he was playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he's Stony Brook. He had nine points, but he didn't have to do much. He's four of right. eight. You know. Some of those and, games, the production was not because he wasn't playing well. It was just the flow of the game. And Malik is not Tyson. You know, if you look at Tyson, Tyson's a guy that you say, hey, there's probably not a game that Michigan State could play in which they don't need Tyson to be uh, among their leading scorers. You know, that's the nature of the role he plays for this team. That's not entirely true for Malik. It is possible for Malik Hall to play well and not be putting up 14, 15, 16 points. Now, right. he can't do what he did against Northwestern. Nobody's going to argue with that. But that's one game in a stretch where he's been, I mean, is five of six enough to say, well, he's playing pretty <laughs> consistently? I think yeah. so. I yeah. think he's playing the best basketball of his Michigan State career, and it's in large. It's not even just the production; it's the way he's playing. So he is giving Michigan. What do we say? Michigan State had forty-four points in the paint. Now those weren't all Malik Call, but he set the tone, and the vast majority of his production came there. Yeah. So he's giving them an element that this team lacked otherwise that everybody's been lamenting or post threat. Well, now I think you've got one. Now, is he, you know, a Zach Eady post threat? No, of course not. But is he a credible <laughs> low post player that will force defenses to deal with him off by doubling or whatever? Or if they don't, he's going to get you points. Yes, I think so. And he's also, by the way, I'll also add this. Four assists, zero turnovers. Yeah, right. He, yeah. And he doesn't make spectacular assists, but Malik Hall, that's your four man. So you get at it, and I forget what his numbers are exactly, but they are way tilted in the assist end of the ratio for him. He's, I want to say he's operating at at least a two to one level. It might be better than that. Do you want to know now. what they are? Sure. 41 assists, 17 turnovers. Holy so wow. More than two to one. That's, that's about two and a half. That's yep. right about two and a half to one. That's your four man. That doesn't, you take a look around at other four men around the league. You're not going to see those kind of numbers. I'm telling. So very, very impressive stuff for him, from him in that regard. And you know, you know who was doing that stuff last year at that position, kind of a similar way, Joey Hauser. Now he's oh. not, he's not, yeah, about that. So he's not Joey Hauser <laughs> stylistically, but, no, I think at the outset of this season, I know we talked about this, that our feeling was he's not the same player stylistically as Joey Hauser, but in totality, he is capable of making similar kinds of um, contributions to a winning team. He's not going to be a 45% three-point shooter and, and take a bunch of them. And he hasn't been, and he doesn't take a bunch of them. But he's a better low post player than than Joey ever was. He's a better defender than Joey ever was. And I think he's become at least as good a rebounder as Joey was. And he's a better offensive rebounder. Joey was an exceptional defensive rebounder last year. Really, really good. Um, but Malik is a better offensive rebounder. And I think in total, what do you have, three tonight? So, he had four. 
He oh, had four. No, wait, three. Oh, offensive. He had three, three right, offensive right, yeah, rebounds. Yeah, yeah. Three. So this is, you know, a double-double where he also has four assists to zero turnovers. That's a pretty good day's work. So, so you want to know what Joey Hauser was last year? Sure. Assist to turnovers? Sure. 61 assists, 50 turnovers. Wow. So, and he averaged and seven still, rebounds a game. And that's still that's not good. bad. For, that's still yeah. good for a four-man. I'm just saying what Malik is doing quietly because nobody talks about it is really exceptional you normally expect your four man it's not like a five but you normally expect your four man um to be a negative a negative ratio guy maybe not awful but it's it will frequently happen you know there are unicorns i i'm gonna get uh, coleman hawkins i don't think is at illinois I'm, i'm watching him right now as we're talking put michigan away um, so that's what brought him to mind. But <laughs> I'll guarantee there are a lot of other four men around the Big Ten that are negative. I'm pretty sure of that. And Hall was last year. Hall was, right. He was, right. Uh, yeah, he was right. And he was, a, and he was more of a three-man. So it's, right. mm-hmm. it's pretty remarkable. And I think just another thing that people don't talk about, but that is true, an area where he's making very, very positive contributions to this team, you know, Oh, I was just going to say, looking at others, you know, looking at Jaden Aikens, uh, 5-14 from the field, 0-5 from 3, which is one that thing you really noticed. He had one really yeah. bad 3, and the other 4, you know, they just he just missed them, but, you know, he missed yeah. them. Uh, missed his front end of a, of a free throw, 2 rebounds, uh, offensive rebounds, 2 assists, no turnovers, a steal, 10 points. So he managed to still contribute, but uh, not definitely not one of his better games, but he wasn't, like, terrible. Tough shooting night, uh, but I do yeah, like the I think fact... That's kinda it. I do like the fact that at different times he was aggressive in taking the ball Mm -hmm. to the rim and getting things done there. So the fact that his jumper was not falling didn't, you know, sometimes guys who are shooters will fall into that. My next one's going to go. My next one's going to go thing. And I thought that the fact that he focused enough to look to take the ball to the basket and finish was important. I mean, they got 10 big points out of him. He wasn't wasn't an efficient game, but he gave him enough production that, you know, you can feel okay about it. And he was active. Like, there's that, especially that one play, I think what highlights that is that there was an, it was an offensive rebound opportunity for Minnesota, and he ran out and, and basically sort of spiked it off the, <laughs> the guy's face yep. out of bounds, and so it was a turnover, it was an offensive, a defensive yeah, rebound. Yeah, and, and I... State. And I think, you know, unlike some other games, like if you go back to the Northwestern game where everybody was disappointed, Michigan State mm-hmm. did not match Northwestern's physicality and toughness. They just didn't. Minnesota yeah. played a very physical game, but I thought Michigan State did a very good job of responding, which we'll talk about again when we get to the keys. But I thought Michigan State did a pretty good job tonight in matching yeah. that, you know, and that's evidenced by things like play you're talking about, by the offensive rebounding numbers, you know, there, there's certain, there, there are tangible and intangible ways that that showed up. And then moving on to Mati Sissoko, 22 minutes, one for two from the field, uh, three for eight from the line. So a bad night for him from the line. He falls all the way down to 71% now from the, for the season, yeah. the free throw line, four offensive rebounds, five overall, two assists, a turnover, a block, uh, just five points, but I, I was shocked that he only had five rebounds. I felt like he had about 10. He was like, uh, he was a force inside, especially in the second half, but he was affecting all those plays. 
if you that and if you buy that offensive rebounds really count for two, it it would be right. <laughs> that would be yeah. eight instead of four. <laughs> um, look, I I thought the shame of it is that he ends the game with five points. He could have easily been in double digits if he shot free throws the way he has all year. For whatever reason, yeah, they were not right. going. And honestly, they looked bad. <laughs> they were yeah, bad. He, I mean, they he's the reason their their numbers look so bad. This right. this game. I mean, he missed yeah. five of them. <laughs> the flip side of that is that it was evidence of how active Mahdi was. Right. I thought. Yeah. I thought in that respect, he was he was pretty good. Uh, he was mm-hmm. active. He was working. It just, the free throws weren't falling, but boy, he was getting there. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. I thought, I, again, I thought he competed. Um, there were times, as as you alluded to, I thought Garcia got a lot done when Mahdi was guarding. Mahdi and Carson were guarding him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the second half, during that stretch where Garcia was really the only thing they had going. Uh, yep. So maybe not the greatest defensive game from him in that respect you would hope he'd put up a little more resistance than we saw but uh i'm okay with the i'm okay with the effort level for sure yeah and by the way does it mean did i win the rebounding thing this time because i think i had we'll talk about that a little bit i think before you can start gloating yeah so all right uh carson cooper uh his counterpart you know he has two for five from the field hit both his free throws had a couple rebounds and uh, and a turnover, six points. I, again, I think just like Mati, I think he competed really at a high level. I do think there's, I, in my opinion, there is definitely a, a Mati is plus what Cooper is. I think, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying Cooper will be, I think Cooper will be better by the time he's a senior, but I still think Mati is better on the floor, uh, just competing inside. I think maybe that's just because of his size and just the able, his strength. Yeah, I think, look, Carson's made real improvement with his body, and there's no question that he is stronger in a way that shows up in the game. Uh, but I I will I will admit, I thought he might make a little, he might have made a little more progress coming into this season. I think it's, I, I think I agree with you. I think in totality, I probably feel like Mahdi's a little more consistent defensively. Carson definitely has a potential to get there and maybe even beyond. Um, and mm-hmm. he make you know, the other thing about Carson is Carson can make some loud plays. He had two of them in this game. He had a great yeah. rim run in transition. And then he had another play where they did a great job after, I think it was a possession or two earlier against the zone, Carson got loose and blew the dunk. Now, granted, it was contested, but... Um, he did, you know, you got to convert those and he didn't, but very shortly thereafter, he was a recipient of a very good pass by Xavier Booker. who's played in the middle of the zone, found him baseline, and he just went straight to the rim and flushed it. So he only had six points. Those were his only two buckets from the field. The two ducks I just missed, I mentioned, but, uh, they were both loud plays. Yeah. uh, Which is something that he's capable of doing. So I was a yeah, I was okay. Again, just like with Mahdi, maybe not a great effort in the second half. You know, it's funny because in the first half, I thought they did a really good job with Garcia. And then at Garcia yes. did, I, I didn't see the splits, but what did he end up with? We had 21 points. Yeah, something and like that. I, I'm going like to guess yeah. 22. 
I'm going to guess what, maybe 14 of them, 16 of them came in the second half. I think the that's majority, close. The majority yeah. came in the second half. So mostly at the line, it seems like a lot at the line. But the, again, those were legit fouls, and they were for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah. And I, I don't think MSU did as good a job in handling him. So a lot, and as we've talked about, I didn't think much of that was actually on Malik. So I think it was mostly no. on Mahdi and Carson. So that would be one negative for them. But you know, Carson, as I said, he made some he made some nice contributions to this win. Couple loud plays offensively, and I think you know Trey played a good game defensively as usual. I mean, sort of his usual self. Three for seven at the field. Uh, Fifty. He shot one or two for three. Had a, hit his one free throw. Had a rebound. Two assists. No turnovers and a steal. That's sort of typical beat, line for him. Beat goes on. Um, yeah, he just keeps getting closer to the sixth. So it's a turnover yeah. ratio. For the- it, it wasn't like a banner shooting game for Trey, but I'll tell you, he had that one three to beat the zone when mm-hmm. they were really struggling and they needed it. Yeah. And then he had another one of his field goals was a strong, it was the other, because yeah. the other Drive, one was yeah. the, was the, um, the other one was the, uh, um, goal te- the goaltending that I didn't think was goaltend. Um, but the, but he had another one, I think earlier in the game, very strong take to the rim and finish, which is great to see. Now the threes are great. They're nice. It's all good. They need it from him. But, when I when I feel like he's really engaged is when he's starting to play downhill, and and that is he showed it on that play. So showed it on the you know the goal tent too. To be honest, um, yeah. But yeah, decent decent night for him. I did think in a night where I didn't think the guards were great defensively anyway. Again, pending anything about game plan oriented stuff that maybe explains some of it. Um. I thought Trey looked to be the best of the group to me tonight. That was my feeling watching. I thought he was a little more aggressive. Um, and uh, and yet at the same time, I didn't feel like he was getting beat as uh, as readily. Yeah. Uh, I guess finally, we could just kind of mentioned briefly, Cone Carr had a couple turns. He played nine minutes, one for two from the field. He had um, a, one rebound and uh, a steal. So, yeah, I, you know he he's, he's impactful in his athleticism. It definitely makes a difference. He had that block, which turned out to be a goaltend. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was good. With, with Cohen right now, I think when you're when you're talking about offensive production, and it wasn't the case tonight, but normally it is. Normally, what you're talking about is he needs the other guys he's playing with to create those situations for him, right? So he's not typically right. a guy who's going to go off the dribble against somebody. He's not going to hit a three. I'm going to take a three. Um, he needs to be in transition where somebody finds him for a lob. You know, a guard makes makes a nice play to create an opportunity for him at the rim. It's that kind of stuff that we need to see. And that really didn't happen tonight. I actually, there was one play I was really frustrated by. Malik had the ball. Um, I was in the second, I think it was in the second half. No, sorry. It was in the first half thinking about which end they were. So the first half Malik had the ball and they kind of double teamed him. And he, I think he saw Jaden on the arc, but he had Cohen and he probably just didn't see him. All would have mm-hmm. taken was Malik to lob the ball at the rim and it gets flushed and he just missed it. Um, but that's what I'm talking about. Cohen typically needs 
plays made for him. And then he can, he's a play finisher for sure. Tonight, he actually did the basket he made was really a play that he kind of made on its own. Um, yeah. And you saw him try to attack the lane maybe a little bit more frequently than we've gotten used to. Um, but I but I still think on balance, you know, that's going to be the step that I would imagine he's focusing on in preparation for next year. So that's going to be this offseason is, hey, you need to find you need to find a comfort level with creating some offensive chances for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, because right now it's not really there. Yeah, he needs to find a place where he can receive the ball and feel like he can he can drive from there. He probably is not yeah. three three point line driving all the way in, but maybe like if he sort of gets part in the lane or something. Uh, and then finally, you know, Jackson and Xavier both had two minutes. Booker had an assist, and uh, Kohler had a rebound. I don't know much. Not much else to say beyond that. Not their this, game. This was just not. Yeah, it was just not a game for them. I think that uh, you know with Book. It was going to be, um, you certainly wouldn't want to match him on Garcia. And so then if he's matched up against Payne, well, there's a real physical discrepancy there. Same thing for Jackson. Yeah. And if Payne's out of the game, then Minnesota's going small ball, and that creates issues for those two guys as well. You know, And in Jackson's case, actually, the minutes he played were at the five. And um, you know he's not really built to, he's not ready to handle either of those for different reasons, either of those guys Minnesota throws out there at that position. All right. Well, since you are so antsy, we'll go ahead and talk about that. the Squeegee Squad, <laughs> which makes say player best clean the glass, brought to you by the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids. Uh, if you need your glass cleaned, they're the guys to call. Uh, if you're in the Grand Rapids metro area, they'll. I'd say they'll come out in every every weather and i that's not true because they didn't come up to my house because it was 10 like i said it was about 10 degrees out here and so all they do is just put ice in my windows so they will be coming out next week but uh they'll get they'll get a nice clean streak free clean on your windows they get right up on your windows on their ladders so they they're not like a long ways away and so that way they can make sure it's nice and clean they could do the interior they'll do the screens they'll do the windowsills uh whatever you want they'll do as little or as much as you want to to have them do. Uh, they don't just have to work in houses. They can work in commercial businesses. They can work in high rises, whatever you need done. Uh, they're your go-to uh, business to take care of that. They also can do power washing too. I cannot imagine power washing in 15 or 20 degree weather, but I'm sure they do. I guess you just put the raincoats on or something. I That just sounds like the worst job ever. So I'm more than happy to let someone else do that for me, uh, but they can do that too. So you can Click and like I said before, you can head on over to the Final Force on the schedule slash support. There you can find a link to the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids, and you can get a free estimate, and you get 15 percent off if you mention rebound with your estimate. All right, so for the who won the rebounding, who cleaned the glass best? Uh, Coach Garland picked Madi, who had been on a roll, but he only had five. I had Cooper, who uh, finished with two, and I think you had Malik, and he had twelve. So you win. <laughs> You're now, it's now three, two. You're on a run now. There we go. There we go. (laughs) Uh, Like the sound of that. Thanks, Malik. (laughs) He made you look good. Yeah. My wife's sent a message. She's like, who did you have? I'm like, yeah, it's over already. So (laughs) it's like, at least I'm not going to win. All right. So let's talk about the uh, brothers suggested gutters. The player they needed that Michigan State needed to keep in the gutter was Dawson Garcia. Uh, as you know, the brothers suggest your gutters will pretty much go out any weather as well and take care of your gutter prob- problems or issues you might have, whether they're 
Uh, they can put in heated gutters. They can fix leaky ones. Obviously, you don't want water pulling up next to your house or foundation. It causes all kinds of problems. Uh, I had a tree growing in my gutter. So if you got any sort of the problems like that, they're the ones to call. They can clean them out. They can repair them. They can replace them. Whatever you need done. Uh, 10% off if you mention uh, Final Four when you get your estimate. They can come out in the west side of the state or the east side of the state, the Grand Rapids, or the Detroit or Grand Rapids area. Uh, you can find those clicks and links, obviously, just like before, at the Final Force and Schedule slash support. So like I said, it was Dawson Garcia was the player Michigan State needed to keep in the gutter. And I feel like like much like last game, first half looked pretty good. Second half, he sort of got his. So he was 6 for 17 from the field, 1 for 3 from the three-point line, 9 of 12 from the free throw line. Of uh, nine re- rebounds for them offensive, an assist for turnovers, 22 points. I don't, I mean, he was definitely kept them in the game, but it was not a dominant performance. I mean, I've seen him where he really can hurt people, and I feel like he didn't do a ton. I mean, I guess it, this might be one of those pushes, right? I don't know that. Uh, he had, he's had two 30 point plus games in the Big Ten this year already. And yeah. I think this is their seventh seven game. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, you know, he was a little hard to say you kept him in the gutter when he's three points or two points. Yeah, three or four points above his scoring average. Um, mm-hmm, he gets yeah. nine rebounds, four of them offensive. Uh, but then again, you know, six for 17 from the floor. He wasn't efficient there. Four turnovers. They they definitely harassed him uh, in some ways when he had the ball. It's just the part that tilts it in his direction for me is that yeah you could say the six for 70 is not great but when you also combine that with nine for 12 at the line and the 12 being maybe the most important part of that that he got there for that many attempts it's hard to say that he didn't really wear you out now I, as i alluded to earlier i think at the first half they did a pretty good job on it was yeah. the second mm-hmm. half where he really did a lot of his damage and i just I just felt like uh, I just felt like Michigan State. Michigan State I, for the for the majority of this game and in the majority of ways, I thought they did a pretty good job of matching Minnesota's intensity. I did think there was a stretch where Garcia was carrying Minnesota, where they were not matching him. Mm-hmm. Uh, as yeah, as like personified by that. That play you mentioned where he misses a shot. Now he got a rebound from uh, a missed shot somebody else took. So he gets one offensive rebound, goes up, misses the shot, and just kind of blows Carson Cooper into the into the stanchion <laughs> and yeah. and gets his own offensive rebound and puts it back in. That was emblematic of that stretch where he did just kind of take over the game for them for a while. He didn't, you know, Michigan State was still in it. They were still scoring and themselves but for minnesota garcia was the guy during that stretch yeah i think he he definitely it was an emphasis in the second half to get the ball inside and to have him do more yeah because i think they probably recognized the three-point shooting was not something sustainable which it wasn't and so right i think both teams made adjustments at halftime it's a good point that's probably uh all right so let's go to the five keys of the game brought to you by nudge printing uh you'll notice a new segment today we're going to just have a little question better way of finding out uh, more about nudge printing so you'll get that in just a second hey everybody it's eric alongside gabe viscomi owner of the fantastic sponsor to the final force on the schedule nudge printing we're here to take a peek behind the curtain and so 
Okay, the first question I had for you is, what triggered you to end up in a Michigan State apparel business? I was working at a medical imaging company um, out of Holt, Michigan, and we would like refurbish medical imaging equipment. And what had happened was I, I just happened to come across this company that made like stickers. And sure. uh, because we would buy the stickers for the imaging equipment. And I reached out to them because I, I wanted a fat, a fat head like to put on our wall, our wall at home. And I didn't want to pay for it. Like, because at the time <laughs> I was like, they could get 150 bucks or something. So I was like, I asked them if they could do it. And they're like, sure. Yeah, we can do that. But you got to buy like 10 of them. I was like, right. Okay. So that turned into like, okay, I'll use one for myself and then I'll sell the other ones. And so we started off doing wall. De- so actually nudge printing was originally called campus wall decals, which I, I hate, I hate that name. So we changed it to nudge <laughs> and, um, that's kind of how we got started and that turned into wall decals, turned to car decals, which turned to t-shirts, which turned to hoodies and then polos and quarter zips and the rest of the jazz. All right. So five keys to the game. Uh, again, a reminder for it's brought to you by nudge printing. You can get 20% off your order. If you type in final four, just one word into the coupon code at checkout. All right. So the first key was interior defense. Well, uh, Michigan state, I think they're, although we were talking about Garcia doing really well, he certainly had a lot of free throws, which suggests that he got a lot of going, even though it doesn't count as field goals or points in the paint. Uh, they still limited Minnesota to 12 points in the paint. I mean, even yeah. the add in is nine is still 21. So I think largely of a win there for Michigan state. It's hard for me to believe they only had that production given the way Garcia was going at certain points, but, but I'm sure it's accurate because, you know, Farrell Payne only had two buckets from the floor. Garcia only had six baskets from the floor. One of them was a three. And those were mm-hmm. really the only two guys. Everybody else was a jump shooter, essentially. Yep. So it, it does there make no layups sense. That are call, yeah. yeah. So it does make sense. I think the biggest thing was a combination of the way Michigan State played him and um, his foul trouble. They kept Payne in check. You know, that's the guy who's a 10-point-a-game scorer on average for them. He's a guy who I've seen have bigger games than that, and particularly, you know, where Michigan State sometimes, maybe not as much as they were a couple years ago, but sometimes they've exhibited problems holding down an opposing post player. So that's what really worried me about this game in terms of needing to deal with their interior, and I thought Michigan State did a very good job absent, you know, say an eight, 10 minute stretch with Garcia. Yeah. I mean, Payne finished with seven points. He only had two field goals and he was three right. fourth on the line. And this is a guy who shoots 36% from the line. <laughs> right. So, you know, yeah, go it figure. Was exactly. Believe me, every one of those free throws he hit, I was thinking about that. <laughs> uh, second key to the game was pace. And I think Michigan State did a very good job with the pace uh, in a game that was, um, was slowish, I think at times, but they really pushed when they could, had opportunities to. They ended up with 65 field goal attempts, which is really good. Yeah. Uh, they had fast break points. I think we're pretty accurate here to 17 to two, I think is what. And so there's clearly they did a good job there. As, although that, you know, finishing was a problem at times, but in shots go down, but they definitely kept the pace well. Yeah. Better in the first half than the second, I think. Yep. But, uh, but overall, yeah, not, not bad. And, you know, people keep talking about it, despite the fact 
that we're, we seem to constantly say, you got to run more, you got to run more, you got to run more. Michigan's, and, and, and I'll also say this, I think they, their transition effectiveness actually gets undersold by fast break points for reasons we've discussed here many times, how unreliable those numbers are, but they are top 25 in the nation in fast break points this year. So it, it is definitely accurate to say that part of Michigan State basketball is mostly back, you know, even though maybe sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the statistics say otherwise. And the third key to the game is ball of movement. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this? I think Michigan State, I didn't think they looked stagnant very often. It's just they weren't hitting yeah. shots. And so I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was certainly much better than that first half against Rutgers. And yeah, I agree with you. Like, you know, we talked about Jaden Aikens 0 for 5 from 3. Those were mostly really good looks. Yeah. I thought they, they were yeah, they good looks. No, I think, you know, the measure is always or a measure is always um you know, assists as a percentage of made field goals. They had 20 assists on 29 made field goals. So that's what you're knocking on the door seventy percent, right? Yeah, that's pretty that's, good. Yeah, that's a, that's an on par number for MSU. Um, so I, I I think you have to be reasonably pleased with that. You also have to twenty assists to just five turnovers, a four to one ratio as a team. Yeah, for the team, that's crazy. Really, really impressive. And and look, there's a lot of things you can point to. We can point to. Michigan State's free throw shooting and Minnesota's three-point shooting is an excuse for um, how the game was competitive for as long as it was, which was you know ninety percent mm-hmm. of the game. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, nineteen Minnesota turnovers, five by Michigan State. If you have a fourteen turnover edge and you don't win the damn game, there's a massive problem somewhere or multiple somewheres because that that difference should be game, set, match, you know? And by the way, almost half of those turnovers, nine of them were Michigan State steals. I thought they were, it's been a while, been a few games I've felt since Michigan State has really been as active as they were in this one. I thought they were active, trying to strip the ball when guys were driving, occasionally trying to, you know, bringing a guy to dig down against a post player. Um, Mm -hmm. They were really good. And that's just yeah. a huge, that's just a huge advantage. But the ball movement thing, I thought, was pretty good. So unfortunate that the three point shooting didn't reflect that, because I thought their ball movement was better than the three point shooting showed. Yeah. So fourth key to the game is Mitchell, and as you mentioned, he got heated up early, and he was causing all kinds of problems. He kept Minnesota in the game early in the game, and then, then sort of faded away late. Look, I mean, he giveth and he taketh away. You know, 14 yeah. points, four rebounds, five assists, all good. He also had three turnovers, and they needed him to pitch in at point. And, and he's he's really their secondary point guard, so tough on him with that. Uh, five of 12 from the floor overall, three of nine from three. I, I thought he, sh- he showed for the first three quarters of that game why I had him listed here but we had also <laughs> yep. talked about you got to find ways and this is where Michigan State I think whether it was by design or failure to execute 
one of the things I, I think I remember saying was, you've got to make sure you're really contesting those shots because he's the kind of guy that if he can get on a roll, he can just kill you. And, he, and it sure looked to me in stages of that game early on that he had really found a rhythm and found his confidence, was playing a very confident brand of basketball, not even just on the threes. He had a he had a couple of um, jumpers inside the arc, which were very confident mm-hmm. plays. Yeah, and so that's what, exactly what I was worried about because I've seen him do this against other people this season, where you see him get going, he hits a couple shots, and he's feeling it, and then he's just coming at you. And um, you know, thankfully, later in the game, I thought it was a combination of Michigan State playing much better defense against him, and frankly him taking a couple of really bad shots yeah lafonso La- La- Alice sh- was just drilling him on a play <laughs> down the stretch when michigan state was starting to pull away but minnesota still they might have been down eight so there was still enough time that hey if you get a bucket you're in this and mitchell just jacked a three and he had yeah. garcia garcia had buried whomever was guarding him might have been malik and uh and was wide open for a post entry, and the way that kid was playing, and probably the the least damage he was going to do was hit was hit a layup. Um, he might have yeah. gotten an and one or you know whatever, but um, that was just a bad decision by Mitchell. And so I think we saw both sides of the Mike Mitchell experience in this game. And finally, matching the energy, and I think this is a, I think in large part Michigan State matched the energy Minnesota brought. Uh, and had they not, I think they would have lost this game pretty easily. But, you know, and so I think it, this was this is very good for them. Absolutely. And that's a point worth mentioning. You know, we were talking about the outset that, yeah, you just feel a vague disappointment about the way they played. And there's certainly some numbers that support that feeling disappointed in it. But then you think back on that game and I think they did. You know, Minnesota came to play. I mean, we, we've talked about it. This team is markedly improved over last season. They've already won more Big oh, yeah. Ten games than they did all of last year. They're already at three. They're going to win more, too. They will. I don't know how many more, I you know, but they're going to win more. I agree with you. I would think they'll be, you know, Michigan State, I believe, has to go to Minneapolis in, a, in yep. a two weeks or Not so. Not too long from now, yeah. Yeah, and so we're going to get a lot of the M&M boys, Minnesota and Maryland coming up we've got some home and homes with those two teams and over michigan. the next and michigan <laughs> um that one's easy but um these other ones you know this year it's easy it ought to be yeah in breslin yeah believe it um <laughs> i uh yeah that's going to be a challenging game because at home i would expect they're going to play at least this hard probably you would think because I, I haven't seen any indication that they think the hawkins thing is you know, season ending, I believe he rolled an ankle. So presumably yeah. they're going to get him back by then, you would think. Hey, that's going to be a difficult game. You know, you can't. Mm-hmm. And and what you got to do to give yourself a chance is exactly what you said, that you got to find a way to match the energy and the toughness they play with. And again, absent the way they were dealing with Garcia for about an eight, 10-minute stretch, I thought they did a very good job of that. Even when... It was just like I said, it was such an irritating game because you'd feel you'd feel Michigan State maybe just getting ready to start pulling away. They'd go up eight 
where they go up five and have the ball. Yeah. And you could feel it like this is teetering right on the edge. It just there were many times in that game, both halves, where I felt like they're ready to kick this into double digits and really put some distance out here. And they just, they might just miss a shot, a miss a good foul. shot. <laughs> and Minnesota comes down and jacks a three and it falls. There were lots of examples of that. I felt like Minnesota's threes, almost all of those seven were really impactful. They were at they were at moments where it felt like the game was gonna tip or moments where they could even take a lead. I and agree. they hit them. They they weren't just in the flow of the game. They were big moment shots. So Michigan State was faced with a lot of that kind of adversity, quite a bit of which they earned, so to speak, by the way they played. But they still found that resiliency. You know, their best player took the game over offensively when it was winning time. Conversely, they didn't let Garcia continue to do the damage that he was doing at a certain point. You know, they found a way yeah. to get him to miss some shots. Uh, they Michigan State was better at the line down the stretch, you know, than they had been for most of that game. Uh, so all those things that go along with with mental and physical toughness, I thought showed up when it mattered. And and truthfully, for most of the game, I thought they I thought they matched Minnesota in those areas. Um certainly well enough to get the win. Yep. Well I think we'll leave it there. Uh again, just remind you to head on over to the final force on the schedule.com slash support. There you can find ways to obviously support the show, but access to all our um all our sponsors of the show. So uh head on over there. And also, if you, again, there's a whole Spotify thing. So if you know people on Spotify, we're working on it. And so uh, we'll see you for the Maryland game. Until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. <laughs>